Something line that leads us and keeps us all from shame. The dark clouds quickly gather along the way we came. There's fear out on the mountain and death out on the plain. There's heartbreak and heartache. The shadow of the flame, but this love will carry. This love will carry me. I know this love will carry me. This love will carry. This love. Hello everyone and welcome to this conversation on compassion. I'm Anthony Lenahan and I'm talking today with Bernard Lynch. So Bernard, first of all, you're very welcome to Scarif Bay Community Radio. Thank you. And I should say at the outset, um, big congratulations on your honour recently by Clare County Council. Um, did you enjoy your day in the chamber wherein you were given a civic reception? Yeah, it was a wonderful day, really. I mean, just coming home, um, what is it? So T.S. Eliot says, we shall not cease from exploration. And the end of all our explorings is to arrive back from where we started. Mm-hmm. And know it for the first time. Not for the first time. Yeah. I think it was Elliot. Open to correction. I think you're right. Um, well, know it for the first time. I was going to, in my introduction, as part of the introduction, I suppose I'd say you're obviously originally from Ennis. But then there's part of me going, I don't know if he just say Ennis. I mean, you've been from so many other places, I suppose, as well in your life you've been in New York and now London but I did come across your um your saying that home isn't an actual place have I got this right but it's more an irrevocable situation of the heart yeah Mm. Yeah. would you like to expand on that a little bit or well I I mean for me New York is the home of my heart okay Uh, it's where I grew up It's where I discovered my freedom. Mm. It's where I was both enabled and empowered to love. Um, Like many of my generation and my orientation, we ran out of Ireland. Mm. And uh, that is part of the reason that the civic reception in the land of my birth. Yes. was and is uh, such a, um, a momentous event. Yes. Meant so much to you. Yes. Mm. Yes. Very good. So I suppose specific to and connected with all that are focus on compassion. Um, 
what would you say if you were to be asked to kind of distill it down? What what is compassion? Sometimes I think people use the word and it's kind of often sort of connotes something wishy-washy or, you know, even the word love nowadays, I've a lot of problems with it because it's become so kind of, is that word kind of sweetened or kind of just, you know, lacking substance or that kind of thing. So compassion for you, what, what would well, it constitute? I mean, as you know, the uh, etymology of the word is copanis. Mm with bread um, and we have the same root of companion companion yes so for me uh, that would connote a very deep co-equality with somebody you're not patronizing them mm. uh, you're not feeling sorry for them mm. you are basically empathizing deeply Mm. Uh, but carefully so that one doesn't, as it were, suffers with them, but not for them. Everyone's suffering is unique to themselves mm. and betrays a uh, the ineluctable loneliness of all of us as human beings. We come into the world alone. Mm -hmm. We ultimately suffer alone and we die alone. So when we get alongside someone, it's with a reverence and respect that must be invited rather than walked into because the person's suffering is indeed the one who is privileging us by sharing that suffering with us. Mm. I think we could nearly stop the interview here now. That's absolutely wonderful. Yeah, very good. Um, I'm sometimes reminded for me in compassion that I kind of nearly know um, what it's not before I'd know what it is. Mm -hmm. And uh, what's coming to me is that as a neighbor at home um, who has spoken to me a few times about, um, was the film... High Plains Drift, I think it was called, with Clint Eastwood, and he had a he had a sidekick in that film who was an Indian. He, he was an I think the Indian old Indian guy was was a an actor, an Indian. Uh, he was a Native American, and uh, there was one part where the where the the Native American said that he had been in discussion or his tribe had been in discussion with um, with the white man, as he put it. And this is after they had been put on their reservations, their lands taken off them and all that. And whoever was in charge of the discussion from the white man's point of view, I'm trying to think, but there's some link with Lincoln on this, I'm not sure, but um, uh, used the phrase to them, you know, to go back to the reservation and to endeavor to persevere. In other words, put up with the gunk, mm -hmm. for want of a better word, that we are thrown onto you. And we, you know, we've, we've deprived you of everything. But just when you mentioned that whole thing about mm, being caught, being equal with somebody, being, uh, you know, seeing someone on the level rather than condescending, wherein, uh, you know, 
sometimes I think that that's been the sense I would have of, of um, maybe even in churches sometimes and, and kind of around uh, people who might mean well, but often to be kind of giving you a pat on the, the head maybe or seeing you as kind of um, actually the poor creator or something like that. That kind of all pathetic stuff. Mm-hmm. Which we need to get away from, I suppose, more and more. But I always remember my neighbour Ned would use that phrase a few times now. If I said to him, "How are you keeping Ned?" You know, and he's no spring chicken at this stage, but he's still saying it. You know, I'm endeavouring to persevere. He'd laugh, of course, mm-hmm. but that in itself tells, um, you know, how often we treat people. I think you know that we, yeah, to really see them. You know, the thing I suppose about giving to someone on the street if they're begging or whatever. Um, you know, it hasn't been said. I think Peter McVeary in Dublin would have said, look in their eyes when you're given, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I suppose it's, it's the motivation and how we, how we relate to people. It's so important. Um, yeah, so thank you for that, Bernard. Yeah, that's, that's very good to see people as... Um, well, they're on their own journey, and they're we're essentially we're essentially lonely, aren't we? Whatever yes, way we look at it, it's to respect that as we are children of a lonely God, you know. So mm. um, we are. You want to say and, more it, about that? and that's okay. I mean, that's part mm. of our uniqueness. We couldn't be human otherwise. Mm. I mean, the animals share that, whether they're conscious of it or not. Um, we are we are alone, um, but in in relationship, mm. unless we're aware of our aloneness, we impose on relationship a burden that no relationship can hold. Yes, and apropos that, I would think it directly feeds into. Um, you know, where where in we speak about compassion. You know, if I haven't done some work on my own stuff, for instance, my own um, bitterness towards others, maybe, or um, you know, my abhorrence of who I see as or who I maybe feel as inferior to me or not worthy of my own attention, or you know, my own shit for want of a better word you know that my own um preoccupation with uh who am i going to reach out to anyway only people i want to have like me mm-hmm. and uh now it's a challenge i think it's a big challenge but i think it's necessary i think it speaks to where you were talking about my own essential loneliness rather than if i don't do something about that my own resentments my own inner stuff that's tricky um well the commandment is love neighbor as self yeah and one cannot be with the neighbor unless one knows the self Mm. otherwise we project transfer and sometimes scapegoat because it's our own uh, psychology we're working at Mm. I mean, that was more pertinent to me in any other, more than any other part of my life during the AIDS ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had 
to learn from ground zero. Yeah. Nobody knew. And we literally standing there, sitting there, being there, being with, um, had really nothing to give these people other than a presence mm. and a listening. Mm. And in the presence and the listening, we could then hear what it was we may be able to give. Mm. But the beauty of that ignominious suffering was that the men and women, young men, uh, that we were working with, they were facing imminent death. So they could not, would not put up with any BS. Yes. And uh, I used to train people wanted to work with people with HIV and AIDS mm -hmm. and uh, we were very careful in the ministry who we welcomed into it. Yeah, that very makes careful. sense. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, mm. I'm not talking about now doing shopping for somebody who's dying mm. or baiting them or doing the, you know, the other necessaries. I'm talking about being with somebody. You use the word compassion mm. in a compassionate state mm. without imposing one's own agenda or trying to work out how I felt about death mm. or my sexuality mm. or injustice. And a lot of people coming into the ministry had to deal with all those issues first before they could really be available very good to someone else yeah. yeah did you just discover that that was very important by trial and error or were you from the very beginning I mean, so many people have said to me about you you know he's so brave all he's done and how he stands up and you know not alone in his like uh, for causes and the say on the outside but in his own personal life and how does he do it? I mean, um, specific to that type of um, rigor where you had to, because I think I'd, I'd struggle with that now. I'd say if I was in your position going back that if people wanted to help, it was such a desperate position to be in. You, you didn't know where the situation you were in was difficult, the whole thing. You were, as you say, you were learning, going along. Mm -hmm. But did you have a, a strong sense from the beginning you needed to get the quote-unquote, the proper people in to be with the dying? Well, it was in my gift that I had been a trained psychotherapist. I mean, I have an interdisciplinary doctorate in theology and yeah. psychology, but that's not everything by any manner of means. You only learn to know how much you don't know, but at least you learn that. So I was able, from the very word go, I finished my doctoral uh, thesis in 1980 and and we founded the AIDS ministry 81 82 mm. so I had a very difficult <laughs> and thorough training in the art of listening so I was able I mean maybe that was God's own way mm. of saying I'm going to use you 
this is why you are doing your doctorate. Mm. Uh, and uh, yes, I listened and I learned and I learned and I listened and I listened. And then I was able to train other people to listen and they didn't have to get a doctorate. Or, I mean, the skills of listening are very easy when one is taught, like anything. Mm. And the compassion comes from the listening. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yes, because if I don't learn to listen, simple and all as it may be, I so easy, I think, to uh, subtly impose my own beliefs and my mm. own, uh, yeah, let me tell you what's best for you or, or how will you save yourself or any of that kind of stuff. I mean, um, I would have witnessed some people, well-meaning, around my own mother when she was dying, and I, oh, I thought some of the interaction was poor mm-hmm. and kind of just that lack of listening. I remember she... She wasn't saying much towards the end, but she did say to me when one person left um, who had been assigned to her because of her fear she was expressing. But um, she said about the person when I asked her, how did you get on? All right. She was too religious. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? That mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I, um, I think there's a lot in that that... Uh, don't impose, especially around, you mentioned sexuality, I think around, oh, I suppose it's changing and we've had the referendum, you know, the gay referendum, but still it's difficult, I suppose, for people when, they're, when they have definite views. We, we like the definite views, don't we? We kind of have um, well, we like control Well, we like easy answers, yeah. which is a normal thing. But, yeah. you know, we have a culture of listening, at least we did have, did have yeah. in the pubs. Yeah. The bu- a good barman was a good listener. That's right. And he increased his uh, business by being a good listener. Mm. Uh, a priest, if he were worthy of his vocation, rather than judging and condemning, he was a good listener. The postman, the bread man, the milkman, mm. the doctors invariably I'm talking about MDs mm. and I can only speak for the West of Ireland here my own doctors yeah. they are brilliant listeners mm. and we are I suppose fortunate you don't get the listening ear in London with a doctor they quote-unquote don't have the time mm. but I would say my experience here the healing is far more therapeutic when you know the woman, nurse, doctor, nurse or man, it doesn't matter, when you know you've been listened to. Mm-hmm. When you know you've been listened to. Mm. It's a big thing. Yeah. You feel it, don't you? Big yeah. time. Yeah. He understood. He listened to me. Mm. May not agree, but he listened to me or she understood me. Mm. It's the heart of compassion, really, isn't it? Yes, yes. Mm. Would you speak sexuality? You see, I wouldn't be so... I think sexuality is like the poor in the gospel, as Christ said. You know, you the poor will always be with you. So with sexuality. 
But sexuality has very little to do with gay or straight. Yeah. It is to do with our relationality. And it's mm. it expresses itself in different orientations. But it has as much to do with how I celebrate Mass or Holy Eucharist, appreciate a flower, listen to music, as it has to do to and with the woman or man I make love to. They're all part of the same. I mean, when Jesus said, this is my body given, he meant the whole person, mm. body and blood. And hopefully we are learning as a society to give the whole of ourselves so that our lovemaking is just one part of that. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I suppose, but the, the obsession with sex, as it was, is to do with what is, what's control again, isn't there? Is, is that fair to say? At one level, but one I level think maybe. it's even deeper. Yeah. I think it's the obsession with the seat of our relationality. Again, you go back to loneliness and our yeah. desire yeah. for the woman or man that will never satisfy our desires mm. and is a recipe for disaster but will come some way mm. if we're lucky to find someone who comes some way and walks with us but they will not be able to no one woman or one man can be god for anybody yeah. nor should they try yeah. nor be expected to be i mean there is a there is a a certain what would you say, absence in relationship. Mm. Um, and the fascination and bitterness of sexual experience lies there, that it points to a total sharing that can never be realized. Mm. I mean, the French call sexual orgasm le petit mort, mm -hmm. the little death. Mm -hmm. It's a sacrament. And a sacrament, as we know, is simply... An outer sign, a woman and man making in love, for example, um, of an inner reality. But it is not the inner reality. The inner reality mm. still mm. still abides with us. We want more, we need more. And it's very sad in marriages, straight and gay, when people move out of marriage without giving each other a chance. Because after all, in a marriage, straight or gay, they are exploring God. God is in relationship. Mm. That's how we define God as Christian. Mm. The Trinity is a, a triumph relationship, relationship of love. Mm -hmm. And when we express love at, at any level, but very particularly loverships, we are as close maybe as we can get to the human experience of God. But in that there is an absence as well as a real presence. Mm. And that absence is the God space. Mm. And if we allow for that, we can save ourselves. Maybe even divorce. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, so God is like... Um, I say the... the the filler of the gap or the just to leave that gap 
space, just the image of that yeah. is a very good one. God is, you know, I think it's Maximilian, the Eastern Orthodox. Mm. God is the great inconvenience. Mm. Yeah. You know, and that even the, the Jewish people and I'm sure the Islamic peoples and all peoples of some kind of faith, you know, they cannot describe God, nor do they try. I am who I am, he said to Moses. Mm. Yeah. Straight into mystery. Yeah. Mm. And, but I mean, that is true in relationship is what I'm saying. Yeah, I get That's that. That's not just a yeah. theological yeah, I get reality. that, yeah. That's an anthropological. Uh. And when we don't grow up or are educated to know that, we go in, and we all have romantic relationships, mm. adolescence, and some mm. stay in adolescence all their lives. <laughs> but I mean, you know, when we learn that, then we are capable of loving. Yeah. And then we are capable of being loved. I'm not asking you to be my God for me. I'm not asking you to fill that, mm. of what I call that ineluctable loneliness. Mm. If you do that, you kill me. Yeah. And that might segue into what's coming to me about... Um, I think when we met recently, I mentioned this, um, I own paraphrase a bit of um, Roddy Doyle's uh, story in Paddy Clark, ha ha ha, which I think you've read, wherein that thing of killing someone or wanting to nearly unconsciously or maybe terrible to say it, but consciously wanted to kill someone. Paddy is, is 10, I think he's 10 years of age, but he bullies like heck. He bullies his younger brother. Mm-hmm. And really what's going on, um, you know the story, he he has this terrible internal pain which comes from his picking up, as all children are sensitive, people will do anyway, children especially, what's going on or not going on, what's been said, not been said, in his parents' marriage, which is actually falling apart. And uh, he just takes all his angst out on his younger brother, really bad. Mm. And then, uh, over time, the teacher he has, who, my recollection of the story, the teacher was kind, noticed, the teacher wasn't a goody-goody, kind of, you know, mm-hmm. that's here I go, but more compassionate, you know, the goody-goody, no, no, no. Just notices um, Paddy's eyes, the bleariness, the redness, the emaciated look, the kind of dishevelment, you know, he's just going in on himself. And I, and strangely, because of that noticing, that um, acknowledgement, and the teacher does something about it, the, the fact that I suppose his pain, Paddy's pain, was brought out in the open. Uh, it was expressed in, in kind of a sideways way for him. It was all non-verbal. He was doing this in front of the teacher. She saw, or he saw, I can't remember what, uh, what the teacher was, male or maybe so. But then... What happened, lo and behold, he starts to change towards his younger brother and he, he becomes very protective of him simply because his own pain, his own um, interior struggle had been acknowledged, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that kind of thing where we want to, it just spoke to me, uh, I think it feeds directly into the compassion 
piece where, you know, you know, for all my kind of maybe um, talk or head talk about uh, wanting to lead a good life, maybe mm. there's so much inside me that's and you know what I mean that wants to uh, exclude people or uh, I suppose can't deal with difference mm-hmm. and then I I hammered that in, in somebody else mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you know it's a strange thing but I, I, I it was very um, well compassionately written um, by um, Doyle when that piece comes around then about the how he changed towards the younger brother conversion yeah and yeah. kind of just it's nearly like polar opposite so i suppose it goes to show you need to give people a chance as well you know we're so quick to judge and well the world breaks everybody yeah uh there are no exceptions um everybody suffers everybody hurts and everybody is trying to if we want to look at it as positive as we we can trying to do their best mm. and there is no justification for suffering mm. nor would i ever engage in a sort of a comparative analysis of you know one person suffers yeah. more than another now ostensibly we see that i mean who can talk here about what the ukrainian people are going through, you know, or what black people suffer in relationship to whites. Mm. We don't have a clue, as far as I'm concerned, Mm. uh, to be different in that way and not be able to hide it in a white man's world. Mm. Uh, But the only thing I can say about suffering is that it's from our brokenness that we learn to be compassionate. Um, Mm. It's from our brokenness, a broken heart becomes a bigger heart. Mm. Although I would agree with Yeats that uh, too much sacrifice of the heart makes a stone. stone, So I don't want to glorify anything. But in our suffering, we learn to identify with the world of suffering. And if we are blessed, maybe, Mm. we can take that suffering, what I call redemptive suffering, Mm -hmm. in contradistinction to non-redemptive suffering. Redemptive suffering allows us to become bigger human beings. And that's the only explanation and I put it in very small letters and in inverted commas, the only explanation I have for suffering. Redemptive suffering can make us more compassionate, better human beings. Yeah, it can human. also break us. Mm. And people, we're only human. Yeah. People can become embittered. Yeah. And, you know, who am I to mm. judge on that? what people go through and yet people come through what mm. people come through you know and we don't have to list people like Nelson Mandela or mm-hmm. you know or Bishop Tutu or any of our great heroes mm-hmm. of our own national heroes 
who suffered pain and death. They declared people going out to vote for Daniel O'Connell and being mm. threatened with eviction. Many of them were. Yeah. I mean, we have a long history of being unwashed and unwanted. Mm. And I believe not only by our colonization, but indeed and unfortunately by some sections of our church and, and state. Mm. Mm. But we can grow from that and we can mature from that and we, be we can become better for that. As you see now from Oris and Uteron, it's a very good example. You know, we've had a, a series of wonderful uh, nobleness in the presidentships of Ireland. Mm. You know, I mean, these people are exemplars to the nation and, and to the world. Mm -hmm. We are just so blessed in recent history. Mm. And I, I don't want to canonize them. I'm sure they have thoughts like mm -hmm. you and I. Mm -hmm. But... Um, Wow, to have mm. some people of their integrity at the helm cannot, you know, good leadership breeds good discipleship. Mm. Bad leadership breeds bad discipleship. Mm. Indeed. Um... Just listening to the various things you said there, when you mentioned um, priest, you know, who would I go to as, um, say, some, a listening ear, that old notion or that old um, tradition in Ireland of, of going to a priest who was an alcoholic, for instance. Yes. Do you know that one? Wherein, um, yeah, he knows. Mm -hmm. And you pick it up. You know, people aren't fools. Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of the time they'll condescend and stuff that you get. Oh, it's my own agenda coming out here a bit now. But you know the stuff that can be so, I suppose, you know, spiritual pride started stuff kind of that would have we'd have been given like uh, coming off altars and that. I think just didn't help. And I think you mentioned the word bitter, embittered people, I think, really as well. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. I, I suppose humility is the word that's coming to me. You know, the the importance of the humus, you know, uh, mm -hmm. humor in that mm -hmm. as well, you know. Mm -hmm. the, mm -hmm. But like those priests who were just one thing, alcoholics, they knew what it was to be their own brokenness. Yeah. And that made them great listeners. Made invariably. Great. Made them great. Yeah. Made them great. Let's yeah. put it like that. Their own brokenness. Yeah. 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 Compassionate, as you say yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I think we need a lot of patience with ourselves, don't we, in, in all of that. Mm -hmm. um, I just actually came across uh, a poem. Um, you probably know Mary Oliver. I do well, yes. And uh, the poem is just short lines. that it's, it's called Don't Worry. It says, Things take the time they take. Don't worry. How many roads did St. Augustine follow before he became St. Augustine? 
You probably do you say Saint Augustine? I'm thinking. Oh, okay. <laughs> I certainly would include Mary, Mary Oliver in one of my heroines and yeah. exemplars. I mean, what Isn't a good, what a profound yeah. mind, and a gift to the world. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Very, very good. And yourself, I think, in your in your endeavours over the years, in your in your in your work for justice. Um, does remind me and I'll finish up with this piece because I have it written in front of me I came across it the other day this three words from Meister Eckhart compassion means justice so that Beautiful. that puts that puts the rubber to the wheel isn't it you know what I mean and it's just talking about it mm. Mm. Beautiful Bernard Lynch thank you very much Thank you, Anthony. My pleasure and my privilege. Thank you. It's a thin line that leads us and keeps us all from shame. The dark clouds quickly gather along the way we came. Out on the mountain, death out on the plain. There's heartbreak and heartache in the shadow of the flame. But this love will carry, this love will carry me.
eyes are golden They must not waste away Our time is like that flower And soon it will decay Though by storms we weaken And uncertainty is sure Like the coming of the dawn It's ours forevermore This love will carry This love will carry me I know this love will carry me This love will carry This love will carry me I know this love